Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 56. Today, I will be interviewing Claire Annette Nolans, author of Evie's Field Day, More Than One Way to Win. Claire Nolans is the author of Easy Readers, Board Books, and Picture Books for Young Children. She knows that everyone who reads is a winner, and as a children's librarian, reading specialist, and author, her life's goal is to excite kids about books and reading. Um, And I also want to mention her website, ClaireAnnetteNolan.com and definitely check it out because you'll learn all about Claire there and all about her her other work. Um, so thank you so much for being on today, Claire. I'm really excited for you to talk about your beautiful book. Thank you, Becca. And I've been a follower of yours, so I was just thrilled to actually be on the podcast with you and meet you in person. So I'm honored to have you on. I'm honored to have you on. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, I love I love talking to people, educators and librarians. And, you know, just I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the about your background, being a librarian and an educator and how that shaped your career as a writer. Um, you know, I started a long time ago realizing that I really loved children's books and loved working with kids. So this this was kind of a dream way back in high school. And then when I went to college, I studied um, comparative literature and English and also geography because I'm very interested in, in cultures and um, actually like folktale and oral traditions around the world. So when you end up leaving college, you need to find a job. And I'll, I just looked at careers where you could work with books and with children and uh, becoming a librarian was just number one on the list. So I went back and got my master's and became a children's librarian, which I just loved because I had storytelling every week. I could share with parents, share with children, and I was always keeping aware of what new books were coming out. And um, I think once you become a librarian, that never leaves you. But when I started a family, I have my husband and I have four children. Um, I went into teaching because there weren't any light school. I couldn't find a school library job. So I got my teaching credential and I worked as a reading specialist from grades uh, first through sixth, and really specializing in early literacy, but also worked a lot with children who uh, English was not their first language. So um, that's what I did for a a long time. And then I, in the back of my mind, of course, I always wanted to write. And I finally just made the decision to make the time. And I had a lot of ideas and started writing. And as any writer can tell you, um, they probably have a lot of manuscripts that are sitting in drawers and that have not gone anywhere. So I was very excited when I finally was starting to be able to publish. It was a great thing. Is there any sort of like tips for parents for reading aloud for children who are learning English? Because I know there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different like kind of tips and suggestions out there. Um, Well, first of all, reading should begin immediately. I mean, as soon as you have a child, even though they don't, um, 
you know, you don't think they're getting it. I mean, there's something about sitting with a child on your lap and it really develops a rapport very early. I also believe the more books you can have around your house makes a big difference. And there have been a lot of studies shown that um, that when children see their parents reading, that that has a big impact because they want to do what's important to their children. And children, as we know, are always watching whether we realize it or not. And so that would be the first thing is just to have your children see that it, that you are reading and sharing books and that this is something important to you. And then um, I also have found, you know, not all children necessarily want to read books and it's really important to find things that they're interested in. For instance, a lot of students, ESL students, um, I found did really well with, with magazines, magazines that had a lot of pictures or also graphic novel books where you could see what was going on with a more limited text. And so that's the other thing is to really look for what kids are interested in and try to make sure that those kind of materials are around. And I know it's really hard right now with what's going on, but libraries are your best friend. There's no way that anybody can afford to go out and buy all the books that are out there. And we have this wonderful, wonderful resource. And I, and I really encourage families to take their kids to the library even before they start, get involved with the storytelling activities, the summer reading programs, and just sort of make books as much a part of your life as anything else. And and I don't know if it matters which language. I, it doesn't matter which language it's in. It's a, it's a matter of that it, it has an important place in your family's life. That's my biggest. Right. I totally I totally agree. And I also think just just I also want to note just for anyone out there whose libraries are not open because I know my library is not open yet. Um, it's still closed. But one of the things that um, I've been doing with my kids is that I've just been accessing a lot of online resources um, because I know a lot of school districts are giving, um, you know, the passwords and the subscription to like Scholastic and to we have something called Nucella that we're able to print out different articles and different books and we're able to to do it that way because that is one thing I'm definitely looking forward to is the library opening because that's right. one thing I'm really, really missing because it's been closed for a long time. Um, so I would love to get into, you know, the writing of your book, Evie's Field Day, and just the process of, you know, how you thought of the idea because it's, I think, a really... I think it's a really creative book. It's a really unique book. Um, and I think it's very, I, I just think it's great, especially coming into the summer right now where kids are outside and we want to get them involved in different games outside. Um, so I'd love for you to just talk about kind of how you came up with the idea and, you know, just the process of, you know, writing it and then getting it published. Um, Evie's Field Day is about a little girl who is, very competitive. She loves to win and she has trophies and ribbons up in her room. So she's very excited because the school field day is coming and that's the day they have different names in different areas, but I, the field day is the day that the school all gets together and the kids play games. So Evie's very excited because she knows she's going to win everything. But unfortunately for her, she doesn't. And she, um, 
actually is not a very good sport about it. So when she loses, she sort of has a pity party while the other kids are cheering each other on. And as it goes through the book, she, she doesn't win. Um, and then she has a choice to make when she is winning. So the, the idea actually came from the theme of losing because working, um, in addition to being a reasoning specialist, after that, I, I really I was a kindergarten teacher for also for a number of years, and involved with all sorts of games with kids at school and also my own children, and seeing how difficult it is to lose, but it is a part of life. But on the other hand, you also see people who win and they're very boastful about it. So there's you can be a bad winner or a bad loser, and so I wanted to write something about the most important thing is really is having fun playing and um, participating with other, other kids and improving yourself, not necessarily comparing yourself to other people. So that's where the idea came and I was trying to figure it out. And then I just thought about field days, what a big deal it was. And it actually is, if you ask a lot of children, it's their favorite day of the year at school is is field day. And they start thinking of all the different games that they can play. So once I had the setting and the, you know, basically the theme, I just kept working it through my mind. And I do a lot of actually writing while I walk. I walk every day and I have paper with me and I make notes and I sort of work things out through my head that way. And then I come home and type them up. I am in a writing group. So um, when I have a rough draft, I go to my writing group, we meet weekly and we discuss it. And so I have a lot of input from from other people. There's six of us in the group. But actually, Evie's Field Day was one of the easier books I've written. It sort of just kind of fell into place once I I got to this idea of, um, of winning and losing and of a child who's not dealing with it well. And so I'm really happy the way it turned out. And um, I, I do not have an agent. So I have to submit as an um, an aged author. And if you, I always pay attention to what sort of um, things different authors or publishing companies are looking for. And Cardinal Rule Press is a publishing company um, headed by Maria Dismondi. And she put out a request for manuscripts in for, uh, to be submitted during December and January. So I submitted this in January, uh, over a year ago, of 2019. And um, she's very specific for what she about what she's looking for. She's looking for books featuring real children with a problem or an issue that they are facing and how they um, solve their problem. So once I, it, and that really actually helped me finish my book was when I read the guidelines that she was looking for. So I submitted it and it really wasn't, very long before she sent an email and asked to talk to me on the phone. And this is the way it sometimes works in publishing. She had recently spoken with a friend whose son was very upset every time he loses. So 
you know, she said, what do you do to help a child get over losing? And then a few days later, my manuscript came across her desk. And so it sort of was like the book that she was almost looking for, even though she didn't realize that she was looking for. So it ended up just being a very good, um, a very good thing for both of us, I hope. Yeah. I mean, it's like almost meant to be. I, I really, I don't know. You know what? It's, and I feel like there's a lot of valuable lessons you could take out of that because I think every, every child has been through winning and losing. Right. And you don't, you know, in your, in your book, it's field day, but it could be, you know, it could be anything. It could be playing a board game, right? Right. Like some kids don't like to play board games because if they're going to lose, they don't want to play or that's not fun. And it's not fun if they're not winning. Um, so you could kind of relate it to sort of, to lots of different things. That's what I like about it. And I think it's also relatable because, you know, like I said, everyone goes through winning and losing. And I think, every parent or caregiver out there has been in the position with a child um, telling them, oh, it's okay to, you know, it's okay if you don't win every time. Um, or even like just as you know, a speech pathologist, right? Like, you know, say working with children, I play games all the time. And there's, you know, sometimes there's winners and sometimes there's, you know, people who don't win. Um, but so... Yeah. So anyway, so I think that it's relatable for a lot of different situations. And so I wanted to, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about the virtual field day, because I know that came up at my son's school is that unfortunately, you know, we had a miss field day um, because of the pandemic. We weren't able to have it at, at the schools. And so a lot of schools did participate in a virtual field day. So I was just curious to see, you know, how you participated in, in it and um, how it went. Well, I had a lot of events planned. We released the book um, on May 1st, and it was specifically timed to be for the end of the school year celebrations and field days. So this we had been planning it all along. And then in, in March, when everything closed, we're like, okay, certainly it'll be open in May. And then we get to April, and all of a sudden about mid-April, we said, this, this isn't going to happen. School's not opening. So um, we, Maria and I brainstormed and talked about how it was disappointing for children to not be able to celebrate the end of the school year because the kids were still in school, even though they were doing school at home. So we decided to launch this virtual national field day. And um, Cardinal World Press had prizes for kids to... Um, do activities at their homes in their backyards and then to send them in on Instagram to post them on Instagram with Evie's field day and at home field day. And I did a number on my, um, on my blog, I did some blog posts on different ideas and it, it turned out actually really, really well. I mean, at first I was so disappointed that I wasn't going to be visiting the schools and we had a big activities planned But this almost, I mean, it turned out better. There were neighborhoods that were involved. There were whole school districts involved. And I've just been getting all these wonderful pictures and notes. And um, actually, I I think it turned out better than we could have even imagined it happening. And one thing I wanted to encourage was to make sure that the children were involved 
in making their own games. I had kids, um, notes from kids who made these amazing obstacle courses. A lot of kids did chalk drawing obstacle courses and, and people used just whatever they had around their houses because nobody really wants to go to a store right now. So people just made do. And, and that was one of the funnest things about it was to see how creative everybody was. But yes, it went really well. And, you know, I kind of, I think it's, I, I, I also encourage people to go to your website just to check out also ideas because I know parents, you know, are looking for different activities for their kids. And I love your idea about creating your own games because, you know, there are definitely suggestions in your book, like potato sack races um, and the egg on a spoon races and, you know, doing all these different games outside that don't involve electronics. I think a lot of people are looking for just sort of simple games with stuff that we have around our house. Cause like you said, we don't want to have to always go out to the store to go and get something. So I think that's, that's a really good point. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, cause you had some really nice suggestions in the back of your book. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what's included in the back of your book, because it's not just a story, but I feel like it's also like a parent's guide in the back about different suggestion about sportsmanship. Right. I think sportsmanship is is one of those um, character qualities or values that's really important. And I don't know if it's one that comes naturally because, you know, we want to win. So. I, you know, but it's really important to acknowledge, you know, other people. So I have a list of suggestions on how to help children learn sportsmanship. And first of all, I think we forget the kids need a really clear explanation sort of of what the goal is, what the rules are, and um, and prepare your, prepare your children. So it starts with preparation. And then I talk in there about controlling emotions and, and different tactics. Like if a child is upset, just to take a break, walk away, breathe. And um, I think we need to acknowledge children's feelings too and just say, oh, it's okay. You know, you'll get over it or it's just a game. And we, we want to be careful to say, no, it is hard to lose. And, but I also wanted children to develop empathy and that comes in not only with losing but with winning and if somebody is winning being a good friend is is important and saying good job and acknowledging how how somebody has worked hard and the other thing so anyway I just have another you know a list of ideas and I think we've all known parents who are overwhelming with their children and really want their children to win. And I think as parents, we need to also be really careful of the message that we're giving our children while they're playing. Um, So those are some of the suggestions. And then I also have a little game in there that you can play with your children. And it's about uh, noticing traits of good sportsmanship. And it's basically thumbs up or thumbs down, whether something's helping or hurting, like, giving a high five, of course, that would be a thumbs up or a child who laughs at somebody who lost. Well, that would be a thumbs down. So trying to develop a child's um, understanding of how other people are feeling. And, And that was one of the things that I tried to address in the book too, because when kids read the book or have it read to them, 
a lot of times, if you watch the child, they're feeling really bad for her that she's losing, but they're happy for the other kids. So I think they're seeing that balance. And uh, that's the kind of kids we want to raise. And also just for just also for parents out there and educators, I love the the reader's guide that you have on your website that it's available for free with the book. So for anyone out there going to Claire's website um, and you have access to the reader's guide as well. So I think that's really, really nice going along with the common core. Um, So I think I just wanted to mention that because, you know, as a, you know, as a speech pathologist, I'm always looking for, you know, teacher's guide and reader's guide um, just to kind of go along with the book. And you also have like lots of other activities as well. I see you have coloring pages as well. Right. And I have some printables that we'll be uploading next week. I have little cards that you can give to encourage your children. And I've got some other games. So we're starting. It's, it's going to be a work in progress, but it's, it's a fun work in progress. Well, you could do like a whole, you could do like a whole day. Like, let's say like for a parent who's, you know, you have, let's say, you know, we have the summer ahead of us and we don't have, let's say a plan for the day. You know, you could read the book, you could do a couple field day activities, you could do your own family field day. And then when the kids come in, you could give them a couple activities from the reader's guide. Just, just, you know, to do some writing or maybe you want to work on some, you know, you have a page in here about um, the sequence of events or what the different characters are like. So I think, you know, there's so many great activities that we could take from the book. Um, And one of the things I also I just wanted to ask you, too, is about your other books. Can you talk a couple of minutes about the other books that you've published? Sure. The first, my first publications actually were in magazines like Highlights and Clubhouse Junior and Pockets, a few other children's magazines. Um, And I, like I said, I'm very interested in the early literacy for those children just learning how to read. So I've written a number of Rebus stories. Uh, Those are those stories that have the pictures in them so that you can read the see the picture like so when you're working with a child you'll say oh they saw the bird well you can point to the bird and basically the child is reading along with you which helps them to learn to track and the the way that going from top to bottom there's a lot of lessons in that then I've written for an educational publisher which I'm continuing to do called RR Books and those are for young readers then very exciting project came up we have a wonderful regional Uh, Children's Hospital near where I live, which covers the whole central uh, part of California, which is a huge geographic area, actually. And they have a mascot called George the Giraffe. So they asked me to write. um, I've been writing a series of books about George. And one of them is George Makes a Splash. And it addresses the issue of um, childhood drowning, which is unfortunately the largest uh, cause of accidental death. So it's it's about George learning water, water safety and how to swim. And it's a really fun book, but it's a pretty serious topic. So um, I'll be doing a few more books for them also. So that's been a very fun, fun thing that's been going on now. And I have another one that should probably come out next month. Oh, that's so exciting. And I also see a picture of you with George. It looks, it yes. looks really cute on your website. <laughs> that's great. No, it's really nice because I think when you're teaching a really serious topic, it's, I think, you know, reading reading books to your children about a serious topic, 
can be a really nice way of starting a conversation. Yes. Well, and there's there's guidelines too to help the kids be aware. I mean, one of the big ones is is making sure that the adult who's with you puts their phone away because unfortunately there have been accidents because people have been distracted by their phones. So there, you know, I mean, it's it's a fun, playful way, but like I said, it's a pretty serious topic. Right, right, right. I definitely want to check out those books. So I think you know you've really you're really very talented. You have so many so many books out there. So, and, and you're working on lots, you know, a lot more books. So, and so is there anything else that you want to talk about before we finish up today? Oh, I just want to thank you for having me. And I really want to encourage people to, to make sure you set aside time, especially this summer. It's, it's not the best time to read when you don't have a specific list that you have to read. You can just read things for fun. And hopefully, I know our libraries here aren't open, but you can order the books online and they'll bring them to the door for you. So I think that that's going to be the next phase of how the library is going to be working. So I would encourage people, like you said, to go online and, and download things. And hopefully we'll be able to get books at the door. So that, that would be my biggest advice. Just enjoy it. Have some quiet time every afternoon where you just read and um, stop everything and do that it would be great. Exactly. And I also just think reading aloud as well, because I think sometimes, I mean, that's like the whole thing on my website about language during mealtime, because I do find as a parent that that is the best time to read because my kids are already sitting down. Because sometimes, although we may not have that much of a schedule, we don't have, we're still, you know, my kids are still in school. But, um, but sometimes I feel like that, you know, when we sit down for a meal is the best time to read. And I also loved your comment about reading diff- all different types of materials that it doesn't have to be like a chapter book, right? It, it could be a magazine. It could be a graphic novel. It could be, you know, any sort of reading material. I know like my son loves, you know, the Guinness Book of World Records. That's right. like something that he likes to read. So it's, and it's also, especially over the summer, it should be based on motivation. So what I always you know, tell parents that I'm working with is, well, what is that child interested in? So even if I'm reading a book to a child, let's say during one of our sessions, I will always think about, well, giving them a choice and what kind of books do they like or what topic do they like? Um, because if they're not interested in the topic, then it's harder for them to, I think, learn from it. Um, so definitely over the summer, with regards to motivation for reading, definitely making sure, you know, to make sure that your kids are interested in picking out their own books. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for being on today, Claire. I'm really excited to have you on. And I think you gave some wonderful suggestions. I mean, I know that after I read your book, I was like, like I said, before we started that my son already started to like, you know, do like a potato sack race. Um, so, (laughs) so, but I was thinking about it too, because, you know, even when I was growing up, I mean, that's, it's fun. It's timeless. It's timeless. It doesn't know how, it doesn't matter how much time passes that field day games are, they're just, they're fun. And they don't, it doesn't have to be field day to play field day activities. Right. Well, another thing I wanted to say about that is we realized, you know, I started thinking, well, what if you're an only child? And be, if you're an only child or just maybe one other child at home, is, you know, at least that's the way things are these days, the parents need to be involved and parents need to say, okay, I'm going to play too. And, and I think that that's a really important thing for parents to play with their children 
and that's what I was hoping to get through through the view the, through the virtual field day was you know a family thing yeah exactly exactly well thank you so much um and thank you for listening today listen and learn with us at language during mealtime <laughs>